Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world. Thanks for having me on. This week, I'm honored to be joined by not only a truly wonderful person who happens to be my sister-in-law, but also someone who I admire personally and professionally. She's the owner of Tunstall Content, Heather Tunstall. How are you doing today? Uh, well, it's a movie that I um, of course, of loved course. since I was a kid. So, like each week, I have a new guest on the show, right? And I like to put them on the spot and, and ask the them a simple is, question. All, awesome. What is your favorite movie so and why? But, so, um, Heather, what is your favorite movie and, and briefly tell us why? My dad was always my coach growing up. And, you know, that was sort of our movie, watching it together growing up. We had all the, you know, all the phrases that they say, there's no crying in baseball. And everything in that movie just is my childhood and I love it forever definitely (laughs) yep yeah it's a it's a great movie and it's a all-time great performance from Tom Hanks it reminds me of my dad as a coach, which is hysterical. All right. Um, so last week we covered one of my favorite movies of all time with The Patriot. I was joined by my brother Chris, and that movie meant a lot to us growing up as a family. I've seen it a thousand times, and its themes really still resonate with me today, despite some of the film's historical inaccuracies that we kind of went over. Uh This week, we are sticking with our theme of July 4th movies, but we are talking about a completely different beast altogether. This is by all means not an all-time great movie, in my humble opinion, but it is without a doubt one of the best guilty pleasure movies ever made. And without it, we may not have Will Smith, his gigantic career that, you know, we as an audience and he has enjoyed so far, which would make me incredibly sad. That's right. I'm talking about one of a... Uh, one of my favorite childhood classics and the film along with bad boys that launched the career of Will Smith independence day, a film directed by the same guy who directed the Patriot, which is kind of hard to believe Roland and Emmerich and stars Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldplum, Vivica A. Fox and Randy Quaid. If you aren't familiar with independence day, the plot synopsis reads like such, according to Google. In this epic adventure film, Independence Day, strange phenomena surface around the globe. The skies ignite, terror races through the world's major cities as these extraordinary events unfold. It becomes increasingly clear that the forces of incredible magnitude has arrived. Its mission to total annihilation over the 4th of July weekend. The last hope to stop destruction is an unlikely group of people united by the faith of unimaginable circumstances. Now, this movie is absolutely ridiculous and absurd. From the way that the characters are portrayed to the way the aliens are defeated by our heroes, this movie is ridiculously cheesy and often really bad in all the best ways. But damn, this movie is just, it's so, so entertaining. And it reminds me of just growing up in the 90s. Not to mention, this is the film that, again, it made Will Smith a bona fide superstar after... Fresh Prince, and really pioneered a series of disaster films pretty similar to it that pushed VFX to the extreme in the 90s. Uh, When I think about this movie, you know, when I think about movies that are made to be seen on the big screen and played as loud as possible, this is honestly the film that that really comes to mind. Uh, 
you know, you know this film also has one of the more really iconic speeches really ever to be put on film, um, which is ridiculous speaking, when you consider, so you know, was, how absurd it, this it movie is. Uh, so Heather, when was the first time you saw Independence Day and has it compared to how you feel about it now? It's one of those movies I probably have seen 180 times. And um, this last time I watched it just a couple nights ago, um, you know, was the first time I had seen it in probably five years. And it's still just as good. And I think it's just because it's a part of my life. And a lot of, uh, you know, people our age, we grew up watching it. So it just becomes a part of our life. Um, the difference between now and when I first saw it as a kid, I think, is the difference in suspending reality. <laughs> and, um, you know, when you watch it, and there's so many things that, like you mentioned in your intro, you just kind of shake your head out and you laugh at. Um, whereas you just kind of accept it when you're a kid. You're like, yeah, that's totally plausible that we could destroy an entire race of aliens that obviously have higher yeah. technology than we do. Um, but it's just, it's funny. It, you take it with a grain of salt and you love it for what it is. Um, I think not seeing a lot of these actors as much anymore, like Jeff Goldblum and, you know, even Bill Pullman, like you appreciate how good this cast is just to pull off such an absurd movie and, and to make it so likable. So I really do think that the difference between now and when I was a kid is just a, the appreciation for what it is and, and taking it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is really the perfect time capsule for the 90s. It big stars taking on, you know, big projects that the story and the characters don't necessarily really hold up, but the the actors their personality is allowed uh, allowed to to shine through, which is what makes these movies so special. Um, this was kind of like this this movie came out in 1996, so you're a little bit past the days of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you start to focus more on this. Was really again this was Will Smith's mm-hmm. breakout, and again it launched you know a series of of, of disaster films that they were made to be watched in the theater. And I think you're right. This is what makes the movie. It's, it's absurd, but it's just, it's so entertaining. Uh, The first time I saw Independence Day was when my parents rented it from Blockbuster when I was super young, which is a a super old fashioned sentence. Uh, I remember falling asleep in it the first time I watched it, which is hard to believe, but I watched it again the the Sunday afternoon after church, um, and loved it. It was wildly entertaining, over the top, and beautifully catastrophic. Uh, when I watch it now, while I find it dated and you know cheesy and often just flat out bad, I can't help but just still be super entertained by it and have a smile on my face the entire time I'm watching it. Uh, Independence Day is, is responsible, you know, not only for the leading man career Will Smith had, well, you know, that and, and bad boys, but it is also responsible for the string of disaster films we got in the nineties, like Armageddon, Deep Impact, Volcano, Dante's Peak, and kind of culminating uh, with Titanic, which it, it feels weird to add Titanic to those movies, but Titanic is a, is a disaster movie. Um, 
Independence Day was also a huge hit. It grossed $817 million worldwide on a $75 million budget <laughs> in the 90s. That was a, that was a pretty big deal. The uh, thing was, what, Jurassic Park was the number one movie of all time at that point? I think this was number two. So that it, yeah, yeah, he had epic time in the nineties because it was, let's see, it was Jurassic Park, Independence Day, and then the sequel well, to um, Jurassic Park, The Lost you know, World, it's hard to say which it, it overtook on, a lot of the records all, that this film it. set, um, which is pretty crazy. You know, I, I would. Um, if, if you I had, had to guess, guess I would say what like do you think the Rotten Tomato score would be on this movie? Because so many people love it, but something tells me that's not true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Independence Day holds a yeah, Rotten Tomato I, score I, of sixty-five percent, with the consensus the being the plot is thin, and so is the character development. But as thrilling, spectacle-filled summer movie. Independence Day um, delivers. Now, do you think this movie. score holds up any? I think it's action-filled and, you know, a little bit of a America chest-thumping kind of movie, and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's... Not trying to be Casablanca. It's not trying to be The Godfather. It's not trying mm -hmm. to be Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. It's just trying to be a fun, entertaining movie. The kind of movie that if you've had a bad day or you're you're down in the dumps, uh, you just kind of turn it on and it and it, it it'll make you feel good. It'll it's kind of like that escapism aspect of it, which is why yeah, I think it easy. was such yeah, a massive hit so and it continues to to you know audiences continue to enjoy it to this day right. it's it's a it's a really fun movie that leaves you with a big smile on your face yeah no and mm -hmm. i mean sometimes that's that's better you know i don't always want to sit and you know turn on joker right you know a very depressing movie or the shining or anything like that sometimes i just want to watch dumb fun you know a dumb fun movie you know sometimes i want i want dessert i don't necessarily want my steak dinner no all right let's get into some fun facts here at around the hour and seven minute mark the scene in which will smith drags an unconscious alien across the desert was filmed on the salt flats near uh, great salt lake in utah smith's line and what the hell is that smell was unscripted uh, Great Salt Lake is home of tiny crustaceans called brine shrimp. Uh, when they die, the bodies sink to the bottom of the lake, which is which isn't very deep, and decompose. <laughs> when the wind uh, kicks up just right, the bottom um, mud it's, is it's disturbed, so, so and the smell of millions of decaying so brine much. shrimp and, you know, can be very, very bad. Say, Apparently, it's nobody it's warned Smith. I read this last very, night, very and I think I I died like laughing. Like the snort was in full effect. I think the whole thing is hilarious. 
funny oh yeah it's hysterical because the way that he delivers a lot he's so mad he's like what the hell is that smell it's it's watching it now that's all i'm gonna think about is yeah he's smelling dead shrimp and it's it's really funny uh, um at about the hour and 45 minute mark Enola Gay. yeah the president's Enola speech Gay. was filmed on august 6th 1995 man i was only over just over a year old in front of an old airline hangar that once housed the uh and lola yeah it is Gre- especially when in the movie you, you know there's a lot of contention you, about you wanna, which you know, dropped the atomic bomb like that, that on uh hiramesia exactly five years early and earlier in august 6 1945 that's a pretty crazy fact he's the worst He's the worst character, <laughs> which means he played it well because you really hate him. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. You know, speaking of which, why is the defense attorney always such a dick in these movies? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of hinted at this earlier, or even said it. This was the highest grossing movie of 1996, um, which isn't surprising. You know, this was the the peak, or really the start of, of Will Smith post Fresh Prince, wow. and it grossed. You know, movies grossing a billion dollars now. It it happens very frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not something you know. I mean, nine I think of the top ten movies last year or billion dollar films. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And back in the, the 90s, that was almost unheard of. Uh, Titanic, you know, was still, it was hadn't come out yet, but that yeah. was one of the first, I don't know exactly if it was the first, but it was one of the first billion dollar grocers. And to know that this movie was the highest grossing movie of 1996, it's not surprising considering it was an $817 million movie pretty wild very 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 impressive at around the 47 minute mark the white house which exploded was built on a 1 12th scale just to be blown up although it was also used in uh another shot when david and julia stopped their car in front of the white house uh nine cameras filmed the explosion at various speeds one of which was 12 times faster than normal then played back at normal speed to make the explosion seem larger and slower on film and this scene apparently uh or appeared uh prominently in most teasers trailers and tv spots and is wildly regarded as the film's most iconic <laughs> shot it even appeared in the cover of most vhs editions of the film and I remember even before I had seen the movie in its entirety, I had seen the shot actually in Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Yeah, and I mean it, it speaks to when exactly it's what used, this movie is uh, when Doctor Evil uses to, it. But you know, um, honestly, it's very it's pretty crazy. I mean, this shot is very very happens, iconic. The movie itself is so America centric. Uh, it's the fact that it's called it's one of the more iconic shots in in, in, in cinema. Really, so the fact that they're blowing up you know, one of the most iconic um, pieces of architecture in the United States and the symbol of the seat of our government, 
that speaks mm-hmm. to what exactly you're looking at in this movie. This is a threat to everything the United States holds dear, and it's just blowing it up, literally. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's no, it's no surprise that this is the most memorable um, visual of the movie. Yeah, it is. It's it's a beautiful visual, mm-hmm. and considering the fact, you know, this is in 1996, v, VFX were still, you know, pretty young, and if they were done, a lot of them don't really hold up, but re-watching this film, the VFX really hold up. They're not, yeah. I mean, they're not yeah. great I, I, to I today's standards, but they still... With- hold up pretty well considering and i think a lot of that was because they didn't use or just fully rely on vfx Um, you know they shot this on a one twelfth scale so they actually really did blow something up definitely yeah yeah the, the vfx really really hold up and this is Still one of the most talked about and most iconic shots ever. Um, Everything wants or everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears was originally picked to play during the scene at the S E T I before it was replaced by REM's. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. Which I think is probably one of the most iconic besides, uh, it smells like Teen Spirit, probably the most you know '90s song. You know, most people regard that with with the '90s. <laughs> I think of Tommy Boy whenever <laughs> I hear it. But it, yeah, yeah, uh, because we've all been there in that scene in Tommy Boy when they you know are singing the chorus and then you know he goes off on naming all these things and they're kind of mumbling the words. <laughs> Absolutely. Really a good what... choice to replace. Yeah. Yeah. I just know the chorus. Multiple reasons. Um, uh, not the least I think that this that is a very, very fitting uh, song to play at the beginning <laughs> of the, the right movie. It kind of sets the tone. It's the oh, end of the world. Choice. It's yeah, very it's fitting. Like you know, aliens invading. It's it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you're, you're exactly right because you know it's the end of the world as we know it is a very very fast paced song. This movie is a very very fast paced movie. Right. There's not like we were talking about earlier. There's not a lot of moments where you're sitting around yeah. getting to know these characters personally. It's all you know very superficial surface level stuff that we know about them. But you know, again, that's not why we're seeing this film. And this song perfectly articulates, you know, bam, 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 bam. It's very, very fast. All right. Before we get to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. All righty. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor. We really appreciate that over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. But we are moving on to our award section. And we're going to start off with favorite scenes and moments. At number one, I have the opening shot of the moon and the approach of the mothership. Uh, This scene is really, really cool because it starts off 
Uh, I don't know if that's, is that, cause I'm, my history is terrible. Um, is that like stone engraving really on the moon? Do you know if that's a, a real thing? Yeah, I think the plaque is, is really there. Um, I think actually that that whole shot is exactly what is on our moon. So it's fairly realistic. Um, and, you know, watching, I think one of the things about that scene that's so cool is everybody thinks about the footsteps on the moon as never changing because obviously, you know, there's no wind, there's no, you know, there's nothing elemental that's going to remove those astronauts' footsteps. And then at the very beginning, you see, you know, the ship go by and, and shake away all of those prints. And that is such an ominous thing. It's like, oh God, they're erasing history. They're erasing, you know, something we thought was steadfast just by passing by. So yeah. it's such a cool thing that they did that as the opening shot. It was a very, you know, you immediately know, like we're in trouble. <laughs> like something's yeah. gonna happen that's not good. It's very Americana to open it up with the, you see the flag, you see the, the footsteps, like you were saying, and you, you overhear the, you know, one small leap speech. Mm-hmm. And then it's interrupted by these intergalactic aliens that are just very ominous and overshadowing the, the entire moon. Cause I believe he says they're one fourth, the ship is one fourth the size of the moon or something like that. Okay. Which is massive. So it's 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 a pretty cool opening shot, and it sets the tone for the movie. Obviously, it leads into the scene where they play "It's the End of the World as We Know It," which is you know kind of sets a tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, next scene I have here is montage of all the ships entering the atmosphere. This scene is really cool because it shows the world reacting to these gigantic ships just entering the atmosphere, and visually, it's very stunning. You see the smoke and the fire. Uh, around these ships and it's it's ominous too because they're just towering over the sky i mean they're almost blocking out the sun right and it's a really cool time capsule too because you see these kids playing basketball and it has the boom box out there which is really really cool it's really you know it's a very iconic with the 90s um the only thing with this, and I'll probably get to this in, in least favorite moments and, and scenes, and does this make sense, is when Will Smith goes outside in the morning mm-hmm. to get the morning paper and doesn't notice the giant ship that's just chilling in Los right. Angeles. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably one of those things where they're expecting you to suspend reality again. Like, it, they're just yeah. like, just go with us on this. It's going to be a cool shot. Just, just take it and understand that uh you know in all likelihood that wouldn't be the case but it it makes for a cool shot when he kind of scans up and sees it yeah and the score is really cool it's an ominous score jeff goldblum's expression is is pretty fantastic yeah going up to the roof checking out the the ship yeah and i thought that um as you were mentioning like seeing it across the world at different cities was a really cool thing because what it does is it makes you it immediately puts you in the mindset that this isn't this is a global issue this is mankind issue this isn't it's cross cultural it's it's uh, location independent it's one hundred percent the earth together is in trouble um, yeah and I thought that was cool the way they set that up yeah they were pretty much saying well you guys on earth are effed <laughs> <laughs> yep nowhere to hide. 
All right, the next scene I have here is the first attack on L.A., D.C., and New York. This is really, when I talk about movies that are in scenes that are made to be seen on the big screen, this is one of them. Yeah. It's got the iconic shot that we've, we've talked about already with the White House being blown up. But you got the, the L.A., what's the name of the building in L.A. that uh, gets blown up? Oh, I'm not actually sure. I'm not either, but it, it's very, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's very, uh, iconic, I guess. But yeah. of course you see the, uh, uh, the, the building in New York blow up, uh, that Empire one I do State. know. Yeah. yeah. Empire States building gets blown up and if the scene goes on for what feels like forever, it's just yeah. this ongoing explosion and, Imagine, you know, go back in a time machine to 1996. This had never, something like this had never really been seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is a, a, a global attack on a massive scale with VF, VFX go, just going crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very, it's, it's, you know, the, the term now is called disaster porn. And it, it's, that's exactly what this is. It's yeah. just catastrophe, but it's so freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. They did a really good job with it. The only thing, I, the one thing that I, we were laughing, my husband and I were watching this um, a couple nights ago, we were laughing about how slow motion everything is. And, um, yeah. you know, like everything slow motion. And I get why they do that. Obviously it makes for really cool visuals. Um, but like when, um, all the people are running away from the billowing fire coming out of this and the fire is just kind of really slowly rolling and they have time to get their bags and run and jump over cars. And it's kind of funny, but, um, you know, it does, it does like it, the one cool thing I saw, um, other than, you know, the way they did the buildings blowing up, what I thought was amazing was when they did the aerial shot and they showed the expanding circle of fire coming out of the city. Yeah. I mean, it was just intense. And you see that and you're like, oh my God, like that is pure, complete devastation, um, which is, it's reminiscent of what you see in pictures from, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki when the atomic bombs were dropped, like it's total destruction. And then you see like one palm tree standing up and that really happened in those places where there was a single tree that was left. So I thought they did a good job with the detail there in showing like that complete and total um, catastrophe. Yeah. And it's speaking of moments that you laugh in that scene, the guy that's he's Jeff Goldblum's boss, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I gotta call my lawyer. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when the, the fire is coming his way and his reaction is very comedic. It's just, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. He's hilarious. Darn. What's his name? Yeah. Harvey Fierstein or something like that, I think. Yeah. He's also in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. Love him in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was a good comic relief in this one. Yes. But one of the uh, the ominous shots is the next day after the destru destruction, you see um, Lady Liberty mm. just decimated. and. Yeah you see, and this is very eerie, the shot of the Twin Towers in the background. You know, yeah. it's very, very eerie, especially, you know, post 9-11. It's, it's, it, it, it strikes a chord with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
this of course leads to the the first attack with the uh, Air Force fighting the aliens in the first dogfight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a really cool action scene. Uh, yeah. Especially once they get into the canyons, because it's very reminiscent, and you know me, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, <laughs> yeah. of the uh, tracking shot through uh, the Death Star when when they're when they're when they're in the trenches about to, to take out the Death Star, it's very reminiscent of that too. It's 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 pretty pretty cool. Um, obviously, you get Will Smith saying some some one liners in there. It, it, it's a it's a fun scene, and then it, of course it ends with the "Welcome to Earth" <laughs> line where he he just punched he just one punch knocks the alien out. Right. Yeah, that was something we talked about too. Is you know. I think they say, isn't, isn't their whole body covered in an exoskeleton that protects their actual body, right? Yes. So how does him punching him knock him out? But I'm going to go with the fact that the crash is what actually did it, and he just kind of punched him. And I don't know. I, I don't think it's realistic that he can knock him out with a punch, but it's still fun. I think it's 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 Will Smith. It's, it's Will, Will Smith's Smith. power. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll go with. That's what we'll go with, yeah. Um and speaking of those, those aliens are really gross. Oh yeah, they're 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 disgusting looking, and and it's we'll, we'll lead into this because again, there there's not much I have to add to the first dogfight scene. It's just really fun, especially when you see uh, who's the guy from American Idol. He plays Will Smith's best friend, Harry Connick Jr. Yes, yeah, he I is <laughs> he is the perfect caricature. Of a best friend from a '90s movie. Oh, it is 100%. He's the buddy. Um, yeah. And and you know Harry Connick Jr. He had his heyday back in the '90s too. And it's so funny watching him in this movie because it's just he's he's the absolute quintessential buddy guy for Will Smith at the beginning, and it creates that tension when you know his gets blown up and Will Smith screams no. You know you get like okay, there's some emotion here too. It's not just you know, it's not just a, a a complete pure action film. There's some there's some emotion there. He's losing his buddy. Yeah, and it, it's it's pretty cool. Again, like I, I really like seeing him pop up in this movie because I knew he looked familiar. And then when I was doing my, my research while I was putting these notes together, I was like, Oh my god, that's Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> no wonder he looks so familiar. Yeah. But going back to to the aliens and them looking disgusting. The next scene I have listed here is the alien dissection. Now, funny story about this, Heather. Back when I was a kid, when after I first saw this movie, every day my mom used to make me like a ham sandwich for lunch, right? Okay. I, after watching this movie, and this scene in particular, could not eat deli meat for the <laughs> longest time. Because it just reminded me of the texture of the aliens. Yeah. And I was so grossed out by it. I couldn't do it. I had to switch to peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> That's so funny. It is, it is the grossest scene. I actually hate it. Like, I still hate it. Um, <laughs> you can, you know, even while he's, was it Dr. Oaken, I think his name is? Yeah. While he's cutting through and kind of peeling back those layers, which gross, the whole thing's still gross. But he's talking yeah. about how it smells and they're real stinky. And all I can think about is like, I can smell that. And now I taste it. Like, get get the scene off. It's terrible. Like, I hate yeah. it. But that means they did a good job of setting it up. And yeah. 
selling it. Yeah, it's 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 a very gross and very effective scene. And like I said, like I for the longest time could not eat deli sandwiches after after this movie. And the scene ends with the whole release me scene, yeah. which is very effective. I I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the conveniently the glass is not bulletproof, and he somehow the alien has not broken out. Right, of course. But you know, honestly, that that scene right there where he's speaking through Doctor Oaken, I think they did an awesome job with that. And that's actually one of my favorite scenes because um, you get like a sense of true terror because he's so cold. You know, he's like, "I just want you to die," um, and they're not gonna. They, there's no negotiation. He just wants to wipe off all human life. And the way that his voice sounds, it's just. It's really creepy. I think they did a great job with that for actually making you somewhat fear the aliens at that point. Yeah, because they don't—they can't be negotiated with. They can't be bargained with. And it, I mean, it shows what kind of a president we have too—that he'll go to any resort, you know, not to fight these aliens. He doesn't really want to. He wants to work together, bring peace, even after all the destruction and all the death that they've brought. Which right. makes him one of the best movie presidents. Definitely. Um, but like you were saying, yeah, it does bring some fear to it with the, you know, the, the creepy voice. Yeah. The creepy voice is what makes it weird because they can't talk, is what Dr. Oaken says. They don't have vocal cords, but they communicate telepathically. And that's right. one of the things that he does. Yeah. And you were talking about earlier, this is the next scene I have listed. The Sometimes there is emotional moments in this movie. It's not just gung-ho America movie. Right, right. Um, and that is the death of the First Lady. Mm-hmm. This scene has no business being as emotional as it is and sappy as it is in this movie. It's It works. Like I found myself tearing up. When I was watching it, I'm like, "What the hell is wrong with me?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'll, I'll tell you what, it takes on a whole new meaning when you're a parent. Because the last time I watched this movie, I I didn't have a kid yet, and now, you know, we have a daughter, and she's about the same age as the little girl in the movie, um, the the president's daughter. And so this whole scene where this is happening, I remember, you know, it made me sad. Obviously, watching it um, growing up. But this time when we watched it, like I was full on crying. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is affecting me differently this, this time around. Um, but they, they made it very, you know, they really, they really made it um, realistic in, in the emotion that goes with it. And when Bill Pullman walks out afterwards and he has his head in his hand and he's kind of shaking, he's, that's very well played as, um, you know, somebody who's grieving and they sell it so much that you can't help but be affected by it. Yeah. He's trying to, he's grieving, but he's also trying to be strong for his daughter right. at that moment in time too. Cause she's a kid. She's, you know, just a little kid. And, you know, I always, you know, when I used to watch this movie, I would often watch it with my dad. My dad was, was my movie buddy growing up. And he, my dad was a big teddy bear. He would always cry in scenes like this. You know, last week we talked about the scene, the Papa scene in the Patriot. Mm. Oh gosh. And he would cry in the scene. And I was always, you know, when I was growing up, I was kind of confused why, but now like it, 
like you know, speaking with of when when you have a kid or when you're when you're married, like could you imagine losing your your loved one? Yeah. And it just it made me cry. And I, I like I reached over and grabbed Carly's hand uh, while we were watching this movie, and she looked over at me. She's like, "Are you crying?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, don't judge me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, but yeah, it's a very impactful scene in such a silly movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and speaking of the president, the next thing I have here, the president's speech. We are I going are. to fight. We are going to live on. It ah, oh, dude, it's so awesome. It's the best pep talk in any movie ever. It's so so good. And like it, it, it comes from he has like this he's like a he has a quiet strength through the entire movie, you know, he's a little more reserved, you know. But he gets up there and you're just like, yeah, I'll do whatever you say. I, I'm ready to go fight right now. And he's talking to a bunch of civilians who are about to go fly fighter jets against aliens. So it yeah. um, better be a good speech because you're not going to rile anybody up otherwise. But yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it's, you know, in terms of movie presidents, like you were saying, he, he has this calm power to him because throughout the film, there's so much chaos so much destruction but yet he seems it's not that he's not unmoved by it he is on he's moved by it Mm -hmm. but he has this calmness to him that makes him a believable leader he does he's not irate he's not you know tweeting a bunch of stuff uh yeah he's he's a leader and in that speech it perfectly encompasses why the american people would would vote for him because he's a leader Right. And it's, and it's a great speech. It is. And then he hops in and goes along with them and, and leads by actually doing it, which I have very mixed emotions about him jumping in the jet and going out to fight because I was telling Brad about it. I was like, listen, the wife just died. That little girl's only got him left. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of mad at him for getting in and, and risking his life like that. But then you think about it and you're like, okay, well, everybody's going to die if they don't beat him. So he's trying to do everything to, to save everyone. So I get that, but I had mixed emotions. I'd be like, why, why is he not just like holding his little girl? <laughs> yeah. See, I, I thought the exact same thing. It was that. And also Carly looked over at me and she made a pretty good point. She was like, you know, if he's the president, would they let him get into a fighter jet and take on these aliens? Yeah. Cause he's, you know, if, their mission fails. I mean, granted, you're right. Everyone's going to die. Right. You know, but it, 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 it I don't know. I, I don't know if they would allow the, the president to do that, which again, he is the president. You know, he can do whatever he wants, I guess. Yeah. And I imagine at that point in the game, um, anything goes like there are no rules anymore. They're just like, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to stop this. And uh, there, there's nobody who's going to tell us otherwise. Yeah, it's kind of like a mm, F it. This might yeah. as well happen. <laughs> the last, last chance we have to stop this. Yeah. All right. Last scene I have here for favorite moments and scenes: the final battle. Uh, it's epic. It's you know I don't again I don't have a lot more to add other than that it's just very very entertaining you get all the one-liners the up yours mm-hmm. line from uh randy quaid and the boys i'm back it's oh, it's 
He's it's so, awesome. He's so bad, but so good. <laughs> it, oh yeah. He's, he's, he's so cousin Eddie is so awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's, I mean, like it, it's so cringeworthy because every single line he says is absolutely ridiculous and cheesy. And, and it is exactly who he is as a human being in real life too. So it works. Yeah. <laughs> but Not yeah. a lot of acting involved. It's <laughs> right, right. Probably, probably a lot of monologues that are, you know, ad-libbed. <laughs> right, Just exactly. him. They just invited him to set, like, hey, man, just be yourself. <laughs> yeah, just be you. Um, but, yeah, I think that that battle scene is really fun and, and entertaining. Like you said, it's, it's reminiscent of the Star Wars, you know, the way that they shoot it. I guess that's probably on purpose. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, you know, included in that is the scene with the mothership getting destroyed. So when Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum's characters know they're stuck and they can't move and they kind of like accept what's happening to them and they come out with their cigars and they're waving and and smiling and everything i love that scene i think that whole thing is so fun it it gives them so much more personality you know and then you know through the escape and then the victory walk across the desert it's so good like i just love the two of them at the end um during all of it yeah, Jeff Goldblum's swagger walk yeah. after that with a cigar is what I want my swagger walk to look like. It's everything. It looks nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. But I want it to look just like that. And uh, you're right. That scene does add so much personality to it. They they think that they're 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 fucked because their their ship is locked in. Right. And they can't go anywhere. So they're like, all right, we might as well go ahead and detonate this this bomb. Yeah. Over on here. I just, I always, I, I love Jeff Goldblum's line of, stop with the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so good. I mean, the whole thing, their, their banter back and forth is just absolutely perfect, which makes me wonder how much of that is just ad lib, you know? And they're just talking to each other. Apparently, I was, I was doing some, I don't know how truthful this is because this is from, from the IMDb trivia section, but, mm-hmm. um, a lot of their dialogue was ad-libbed. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is why a lot of Jeff Gold there's a lot of Jeff Goldblum isms. Right. In his in his speech, in, in in his talking pattern there at the end. And Will Smith too, his personality just shines through. I God man, I love Will Smith. Oh yeah. He's a favorite. He's All right. But we can't all all the movies or all this this movie can't be perfect, you know. No movie's perfect, so we have to move on to the next category. But before we do, what is your favorite scene in this? What would you What would you pick? What would you give your favorite scene to? Favorite scene or mo- moment? You know, um, I I think I have to go with that end scene. I really I think that whole thing, that whole. Um, the whole section where they're they're stuck and then they they go out and they're just like screw it and then they escape the escape scene where they're getting out and barely making it through that closing door i don't know why because i've seen this movie a million times i still get anxious like (laughs) so much anxiety with their escape and then once they get out and it explodes and then they're kind of engulfed in that the blue flame wave um you know it's all really good so i think that that combined with the swagger walk at the end, I I just love that whole thing. Yeah, it's it's the the perfect ending. It's 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 a it's a great ending. Let's let's pretend that's where the franchise ends, 
No such thing as Independence Day resurgence, or as I call it, Independence Day regurgence. It's <laughs> yeah, no, not very good for me because I didn't see that, and I don't plan to. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. I'll take your advice. <laughs> um, so my favorite scene, I'm probably going to go with the, the, the first attack just because it's so iconic and it's the, again, it's the, the reason you go see a film like this in the theaters is, is for this because I could imagine being in a theater in 1996 and seeing this on the big screen with the with the surround sound booming and thinking to myself, wow, this is the peak of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is it. And of course, like if I had seen this movie in theaters, that's exact, you know, th- around this age, you know, five or six, that's probably what I would have, would have thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I missed it the first round in, in theaters. Cause I was like one and a half when it came out. So I think I actually saw it in the theaters. I, I must've been hmm, 13. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I must have been about 12 or 13 years old, so I think I did go see it in the theater, and it was pretty awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. All righty. So like I said, not every movie can be perfect, so we're going to move on to least favorite moment and scenes. Um, the first one I have here is the weird statement from President Wentmore uh, Whitmer about uh, equating his daughter to a mistress when the in the phone call that he has with the first lady, it's not like awful. It's just weird. Like it's why would you make that comment? Like oh uh, yeah, I have a beautiful brunette next to me in the bed. Yeah. I don't know. It's just odd. Yeah, that one it didn't bother me too much. I, I think that you know it knowing that she knows exactly what he's saying I don't think that's that big of a deal but I get it like now especially when you think about the fact that you know his wife is on the other side of the country and they don't know yet they're in danger but it's kind of an odd joke to make yeah it's it's an it's an odd joke again it's not like a big thing for me but it was enough for me to like go yeah (laughs) write it write it down all right. The next thing I have is it's pretty funny because my brother makes fun of this all the time and he does the perfect uh, impersonation of it. But it's every time that Hick guy makes fun of Russell Cass, which is played by Randy Quaid, uses the word sexual or sexually. Because why, why is that his go-to thing with this poor guy? This guy is obviously, you know, he according to them, he's not all there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's experienced a, a traumatic event. Now, they don't know that aliens are real, but at this point, but he's been saying, you know, aliens are real. So why would you tease this poor guy? And why would it always be the, did they do anything sexual to you? Or then when he goes on the news and goes, they abused him. And then he pauses and goes, sexually. Like, yeah. what? why is that your go-to thing, man? What? Why is that your obsession? It's... Yeah, there's, there's some there's some latent feelings there, I think. Um, but yeah. I think that the, the thing I love about it is it, it takes the bully mentality and it completely flips it to just make this guy look completely ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I love that because, you know, it shines the light on how stupid and silly it sounds when you're making fun of somebody. And 
you know, they do a good job of just making you shake your head at these guys. Like the, yeah. his friend that like spits out his coffee and laughs and stuff. You're like, okay, you guys are gross. <laughs> yeah, you guys are very, very gross. And again, it shows that maybe you shouldn't just make fun of people who could have experienced something traumatic. Maybe just, you know, let them keep to themselves and don't bother people. Right. Um, again, th- I've already mentioned this, but, um, well, actually this, this is not the same, but Captain Stephen Hiller, which is Will Smith finding out his girlfriend probably died, didn't hit him nearly as hard as it should have. Um, the reason I have this is because I think Will Smith now would crush this scene. Yeah. But yeah. when he's told that, you know, the military base got completely wiped out, wiped out, which is where he told Vivica A. Fox to, to meet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his reaction is kind of like he's, he's, it doesn't hit him that hard. It's kind of like he just, his head sinks instead yeah. of a, Oh no, my my girlfriend is and her son are probably dead. Right. You know, I agree with you. Like now he could probably be much more effective with um, you know, how he would react. But Will Smith has this really great ability of showing emotion just in his facial expressions. He's really yeah. good at that. Um, and I think the way I see this scene, I think he does an okay job. Definitely young Will Smith, you know, but Oh, yeah. He does a pretty good job because it looks like he's in complete and total shock. Like, did I just hear that? Um, what I don't like about this scene is General Gray's delivery of that information because he was just completely cold. And then, no, I'm sorry or no, whatever. He's just like, I'm going to walk away now. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you hear? like, dude, come on. It was, um, yeah, I thought I thought General Gray's delivery was worse than Will Smith's reaction in that scene. I, I think that Will Smith's going for the complete and total shock um and he pulled it off pretty well but gray man dude have have some empathy you know yeah his reaction was you know didn't you hear that place got blown up and then he just walks away it's like oh (laughs) damn man you you could have probably given him that information a a lot better right which i Um, feel like the shock reaction kind of goes with that too he's probably like did i hear it because that delivery was not He's yeah. not giving me anything else. And then he like turns up and Will Smith turns around and looks at him after he walks away. He's probably like, thanks a lot, dude. Yeah. Uh, and the last one I have, in case you wanted to add any more, is Miguel, which is the son of Russell Cass, uh, not reacting more emotional at his father's death. Now, clearly, uh, Russell's kind of been, he's been there for his he hasn't really been there for his kids. I mean, he's helped raise them, I guess, but he's been kind of an absentee father. Um, and Miguel's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting. But you would imagine his emotional reaction to finding out his father, you know, sacrificed himself to, to I guess, you know, for hey, lack of a better term, save the world, um, would hit him a little bit more emotionally. And he just kind of was like, yeah, my dad was a good man. And that that's kind of yeah. it. And you don't like see him get upset or cry. It's like in Armageddon when Harry Stamper, and I, we'll get into this a little bit more next week. Uh, but when he dies, Liv, Liv Tyler's response is very real. Oh, like yeah. she just hugs Billy Bob Thornton and is, you can tell she's sobbing. 
she's yeah. happy, the world is saved, but her father, you know, did the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, I think that speaks also to the fact that the caliber of actor you've got there. Um, yeah. Liv Tyler is, I think, extraordinarily underrated. Um, she is. And I really wish she was in more more movies. But, um, you know, the Miguel character not reacting, I think, just speaks to the fact that it's probably not, and and he's not an actor that, you know, can do that as well. I think what they were probably going for in that scene was that, he was proud of him and he was shocked, but understood why he did it. But yeah. It didn't come across that well, you know? No. Didn't come across that well at all. Um, do you have any scenes that you would like to add to the least favorite moments or scenes? Before I, don't know we if it's a, I don't know if it's a scene or a moment, but there's a character. Um, so Dr. Oaken, I don't know why, drives me nuts. Like, I really, really don't like him. <laughs> um, you know, aside from, I forget the guy's name who plays uh, the Secretary of State, um, James Reborn or something, maybe. But yeah. he's just a jerk and he's supposed to be a jerk, right? So you're supposed to not like him. I think you're supposed to like Dr. Oaken. But for some reason, the whole scene where the president's coming down for the first time and he's meeting him and he's telling him all about what they're doing in um, Area 51 he's so awkward and he's so uncomfortable. And I think they were going for quirky, but really he was just obnoxious. However, I do think he redeemed himself during the time, you know, his acting where the alien was speaking through him was very, very good. That part was great. But the whole lead up, I really didn't like him. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I can't put my finger on what bothered me so much about him. I just think it's just, I, I, didn't, want, I didn't want to watch that scene. <laughs> They're going for quirky. They're going for introvert that doesn't know how to react to right. certain things. Cause I mean, they've been down there for so long. Obviously it's, it's area 51. They can't really go out. You know, he says they don't let us out much, but right. I get your bothersome with the character. And let me just tell you that character returns in the sequel. He's not dead. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And he, he's even worse. Oh, great. <laughs> And now yes. you have completely convinced me not to see the second one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I see why you would not like that character. Cause I, again, the, the, you know, whole release me part when the aliens holding them up against the glass is, yeah. is pretty good. It's very well acted. It's very convincing. It's creepy, but the character itself is, you know, meh, I yeah. could, I could deal without it. Yeah. I'm done without it. So for me, um, least favorite moment in scene, I'm probably going to go with every time the hit guy says, you know, every time he makes fun of Russell Cass and uses the word sexual or sexually, because it's yeah. just ridiculous. Um, which one are you going to go with? Mm, least favorite scene. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Miguel's performance not reacting well to his father's death. I just, I, it didn't sell it to me. I, I can, I, I can, I can accept that. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. No pushback for me on that one. Yeah. All righty. So best performance here. I'm going to go with Will Smith because yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's so good. And again, this is the movie that really, I mean, the one, two punch of bad boys in 1995, uh, and then this, 
in 96 was really what catapulted him to superstardom. And it's the movie that really put him on the map. You know, growing up, Will Smith, aside from Arnold Schwarzenegger, was my favorite actor. He was just so awesome. And this wasn't a movie that of his that I watched when I was super young. This isn't the movie that made me you know, fall in love with Will Smith. That was more Men in Black and Wild Wild West, even though Wild Wild West is not looked at as being, you know, one of the, one of his better movies. Um, those were the two movies that really made me fall in love with Will Smith. But watching this after it made me realize why people really loved him. He's just so charismatic. And especially in this movie, his one-liners, you know, welcome to earth. How about this is a close encounter or, you know, don't shoot that green shit at me. It's <laughs> the fat lady. I didn't hear no fat. Like he's just so many, so many one-liners. He's terrific. And again, this is the movie that really catapulted him into superstardom. So I'm, I'm going Will Smith. Yeah, I agree with you. Will Smith's definitely one of my favorite actors in general, and he can do anything, literally anything. Um, so I love it just because, you know, he is, he's himself in this. He's so funny. He's so just, um, you know, charismatic, as you said, like you just, you're drawn to him throughout this whole movie. But I got to tell you, I love the entire like main cast. I love Bill Pullman. I think he does a fantastic job. Um, I always love Jeff Goldblum. He's, <laughs> I don't know why I love him so much. He's so weird, but I love him so much. Um, is it because he was a big bad wolf and three little pigs? Of course. Thank you for <laughs> saying that. That is how I was introduced to Jeff Goldblum and he will forever be a big bad wolf to me. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just fun and I love him too. So he's a close second there, but you know, even when you've got Vivica Fox and Bill Pullman and, you know, the, Randy Quaid is just exactly who he should be in this movie. Um, <laughs> and Judd Hirsch. So the guy who plays Jeff Goldblum's dad in this is excellent. Like, I really love him too. I um, do too. He does such a great job. And I love when he stands up for him, when he stands up for David, when they're all kind of like tearing him down. He's like, don't you make fun of him. You know, don't you don't you brush him off. He stands up for him and it's so strong and I love it. Um, and he's such a good like dad character to yeah. build up David. One uh, of his favorite, one of my favorite lines from him mm-hmm. is when they're all praying at the end and the defense <laughs> secretary is just sitting there. He's like, I'm not Jewish. And he's like, nobody's perfect. Right. Right. I just, I love it. <laughs> I, I love the whole cast. I think they just all play off each other very well. Um, you know, the main cast and, uh, but you know, the favorite is Will Smith. I just, I just love him. Yeah, he's terrific, and like you said, he can, he can do anything. As we've seen over the years, he's an Oscar-nominated actor for Ali and for um, The Pursuit of Happiness, and mm-hmm. even when his movies aren't particularly good, he's always good in them. I just yeah. love Will Smith. All righty. So we're moving on to our, our next category, which is the Does This Make Sense Award? Because there is, and, and there's a lot of stuff that does not <laughs> make sense in this movie. Some of what I'm sure I have left out, but I have like 12 things listed. Um, it's pretty ridiculous. So as yeah. much as I love Jeff Goldblum, AKA David Levinson, this guy. <laughs> Just him in general. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. Just 
what does he do for a living? How is he so smart? I know they like they pass him off as you know this this very uh, smart guy. I think it's mentioned in a very passing uh, sentence where he has like a four year degree from MIT or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's essentially the guy that brings down the aliens, right? And it's never fully explained how, and I guess it, it fits with the nature of the movie, but how he's so damn intelligent. He's just almost the perfect exposition character. He's just, he knows the answer to everything. He's able to figure out everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And he has that weird contentious, and they never really talk about it, but the weird contentious relationship with his ex-wife where mm-hmm. he was apparently very overprotective and it seems like he might've been overbearing, you know, thinking that his wife was cheating on him and he got in a fight with the president. Well, he wasn't the president at the time, but mm-hmm. got in a fist fight with him. And that's kind of gone over a little bit in the movie, but yeah. You get this sense that he's kind of a, a an odd duck, but they don't ever really explain why he's just so intelligent and knows everything. Yeah, even though I love the thing though. I mean, he uh, the the whole thing with his ex wife when he's talking to Connie, they kind of dip their toe in like their story a little bit, and yeah. he wanted to go off and have this amazing career, and um, she had these opportunities, and he didn't get it. Right? He was like not supportive of that, which stupid um but it, it was like one of those situations where you kind of go okay i get it now he's a cable repairman i guess right is that his job something like that and Thanks. you know it's that whole story of wasted intelligence and wasted talent kind of the um goodwill hunting story you know where you've got these incredible minds and they just don't have the ambition to do anything with it um and he i don't know what expected his wife to also feel that way i don't know um, but you're right. It is, it's, it's a bit annoying, but I think that we're trying to go for, you know, the everyman hero in this. And it just came off as, like you said, a little bit unbelievable, a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. The, the underdog hero, the, right. the guy who is, he's the smartest guy in the room, but is kind of unassuming and doesn't look like any, I, I didn't even really think about it that way. He's not very supportive of his wife, which, you know, to me is, I think that's dumb. You should always be very, very supportive of your spouse. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that could have been the opportunity for character development if they really cared about that in this movie. But yeah. they just, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to give this tiny background here and then run with it. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I have here is even if it's a four pointer earthquake, wouldn't Jasmine and Captain Hiller and Jasmine's is Vivica Fox, Captain Hiller's Will Smith want to get up and check on Jasmine's son. They just kind of just chill in bed mm-hmm. when they hear the earthquake. Like, Oh, it's, it's a four pointer. Go back to sleep. It's fine. Or, or you know, my, my son's okay. It's no big deal. He's not scared at all. Let's just go back to sleep. Right. I don't know. Irresponsible parenting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny now. Like I said, watching it as a parent, I'm like, oh my god, the kids run around all over the place, outside, inside, and everything. When they're when his um, mom and uh, her boyfriend are still asleep, and you're like, now, no. I mean, our daughter is uh, in our room waking us up in the morning. She's not on her own. Like we don't let her go off on her own. 
But then I thought about it and I was like, okay, this was the early nineties or mid nineties. Right. Um, yeah. It was just totally different. I remember growing up, going outside and playing all day long and we didn't have cell phones or anything to track where we were. And that was just kind of what we did. Like it wasn't bad parenting. I think it was just, you, you, there was a lot more freedom and a lot less hovering than what we're doing now as parents. Um, and I think it's because we have a lot more information these days. And so we're all just riddled with anxiety. <laughs> so we're all like on top of everything with our children. But, you know, growing up and in the 90s and everything, that wasn't that big of a deal. Like we all went downstairs and watched TV or went outside and played and it wasn't a thing. So I do think it's a little bit more realistic when you put it into context. But I agree with the one thing about an earthquake. I don't care if you are used to any kind of earthquakes. If it's strong enough to be knocking pictures over, it's strong enough to be knocking things off walls, you should probably check on your kids. Yeah. Like <laughs> obviously I, I I grew up, you know, in the in the mid to late nineties and I remember like you're saying, going outside and just going riding my bike around the block, not really having to tell my parents where I was and mm-hmm. just kind of having fun outside and you're playing outside and doing all that. But yeah. again, it's, it's the earthquake thing that gets me. Right. Cause it's, you know, if it's like you said, if it's knocking pictures off the wall, what if my son or daughter is by the wall yeah. or, you know, what, what, what could go wrong in that scenario? Right. <clears throat> um, how would the aliens know where all the big monuments are and how would they know what they represent? to us and what they mean. This is this is interesting because I can kind of get get it in the sense that they've been around since the the 50s, you know, that that ship that Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith use to to go to the mothership at the end of the movie. It's it's been there since the the 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. 50s, yeah. Yeah. But for for me I, I I don't know how that they would know that, okay, Empire States Building, we got to blow that up. Or White House, okay, we got to blow that up. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how that they, they would know those things. Maybe the he- most heavily populated areas I would buy. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I'm not sure if they would know what those monuments represent to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that they would know that about every single country or large city in the world, you know. Um, the one thing that I think they allude to it a little bit, the general was mentioning, like, they they picked certain cities to start, and then they were going after, like, allies of the United States as well, which yeah. made me laugh a little bit. I did say something to Brad about, it tells you how America-centric this whole movie is, because it's like, yeah, the aliens come, but they focused on the United States on the 4th of July. But um, it was funny because he was talking about how they were then going after all the allies. So the United States has no hope. They have nobody to turn to, right? And yeah. that to me, I was like, boy, they're, they're super strategic aliens, man. They, they know exactly what our political systems are. They know what our monuments are. You know, they know where to strike and win. But you're right, I guess, if you, if you want to stretch it a bit and say they've been studying, you know, according to... President Whitmore, they had been, when he read their mind, um, they said they had been studying us for a long time. And yeah. so, okay, maybe that's plausible, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a little too strategic for, um, to be realistic, I think. 
Yeah, I would agree. It's going to make for great visuals in a movie, right? <laughs> it does. It does. You're blowing up monuments. Let's go. <laughs> um, why doesn't Jasmine just go ahead and go with her son and Captain Hiller to to the base? Now, I get it. It's for dramatic you know, purposes of them being far away from each other, only to find each other again. It's got a really nice dramatic payoff. But in a time like this, you know, I was looking at Carly when I was talking about, you know, when we were watching this movie, I'm like, you know, if there were aliens invading, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And she was like, yeah, I'm not letting you out of my sight either. So it's, I would, yeah, we would be going together everywhere we go, everything we do together. I, I could not leave, you know, Carly behind for even a moment during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you with that. And you know, exactly correct. If there's any kind of dangerous scenario going on, the family sticks together. Like you do not, you do not go off on your own in any, any way. The other thing I'll, no. I'll even add to that is then she goes to work. Like, are you kidding me? Then you're leaving your son alone for a while while, or not alone, but whatever, you know, she's leaving her son to go to work. I would not be working no matter what. <laughs> if there was yeah. an alien invasion, like that's not happening. And yeah. Above that, there is no way I would let my kid out of my sight during all of that. So yeah. I think I think that whole thing is is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Again, it's I get why they do it from a story mm-hmm. structure point, but from a realistic point of view, which this movie has shown, it doesn't <laughs> care about. Um, doesn't have a lot of verisimilitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to throw that away for for a nice dramatic moment. Right. Um. So the next moment I have here is I've I've already kind of hinted at it, but how does Captain Hiller wake up, go outside and not immediately notice the giant spacecraft in the sky? Right. Like that's, that would be the first thing I notice Cause whenever I go outside, the first thing I do is I, I want to, you know, see what the weather is like. And I, I, I look up at the sky. Mm-hmm. You would see, I don't even think you have to look up at the sky to notice there's a giant alien saucer just hovering around Los Angeles. That would be like the first thing I'd notice. Again, I get why they do it. It's for the dramatic shock. It's for the payoff of of him just seeing that. But it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Although I I do have to say, right out of bed in the morning, I am completely and totally oblivious to everything. So maybe we can give them that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. woke up and whatever because I'm a zombie in the morning but yeah it is absolutely for the shot and that's it <laughs> yeah. alright so this moment is very brief but I always go WTF whenever I whenever I see the movie it's the woman on TV that wants aliens to bring back Elvis mm-hmm. she's like maybe they'll bring back Elvis it's like okay wh- why Elvis first off second off do aliens have the ability to bring people back from the dead? Well, I think this stems from um, there's a conspiracy theory back in the time when Elvis died that he didn't really die. He was abducted by aliens. Like that was a legit conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, but I think wow. that's what it's, it's referencing or kind of making fun of them. Um, that people believe that he's still alive 
that he never actually died and aliens took him away so she's like maybe they were bringing him back and you're just like okay cool <laughs> jeez i didn't even know that was a real conspiracy yeah. theory you know no conspiracy theories shock me today right but that one does <laughs> that <laughs> there one you does. Go. um why wasn't the president informed of Area 51? Because I'm going to be honest, if I were ever elected president, which don't ever elect me president, but if <laughs> if I were, that would be the first thing I'd want to know mm-hmm. is A, why, or are there aliens? Like that's, that's the, one of the number one things I, w- I would want to know. And B, is there a real thing as Area 51? Is it like a really real research base? Yeah. And I feel like I, I should be, you know, given that information if I were the president. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they they touch on it with um, the Secretary of Defense just saying um, plausible denial, right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, two words, plausible denial, because they don't want the president to know something that can be incriminating or whatever. And um, yeah. but, but still, like, come on. Yeah. If you've seen I mean, National definitely. Treasure, there's a book with all the secrets in it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so, real, right? <laughs> I have. Not, I hope so, because that would be cool. <laughs> it's, it's based on that movie's based on real events, as far as I'm concerned. I, I agree, probably. <laughs> uh, the spaceship is somehow considered the hot tamale over the actual dissected alien. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to me, the hot tamale would be the dissected aliens. Right. Not the spaceship. Like, that's cool. I want to see the actual alien, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See what they look like. That would be my go-to. That that would be the hot tamale, not the spaceship. Right. And, th- again, why I don't like Dr. Oaken, because he, like, it's an afterthought later. He's like, oh, by the way, do you guys want to see one? It's like, um, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah yeah you showed us the spaceship but yeah maybe we'll want to see the aliens but yeah, yeah. I, I agree that is not even close yeah that's that's it's ridiculous um this is a small one because it happens at the end of the movie but he doesn't do it when he's first introduced to the president he doesn't salute him mm-hmm. he shakes his hand now i you know i've, I've never served in the military but I would imagine anyone in the military, when they're introduced to the president, has to salute them, right? I would think so. He's their commander in chief. So I actually did not notice this. Um, but the only time I did was at the very end when they salute each other. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I didn't notice that he didn't salute him at the beginning. Yeah. When they're first introduced, he, he shakes his hand instead of saluting him. And then at the end, they salute, they salute each other. But it's, I would imagine that, you know, you would, you would have to do that if, you know, he's your commander in chief. Yeah. Um, next thing I have here, how come they use nuclear weapons when they've already seen that the aliens have high functioning protective shields defending their, you know, hilariously large ships. It seems pretty dumb that this is always like, there's always that defense, the secretary of defense that wants to use nuclear weapons, knowing that like Jeff Goldblum points out, if you use nuclear weapons, everyone else is going to. There's going to be nuclear, you know, fallout, wow. which yeah. would mean that not only the aliens die, but we will probably die. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's always 
dumbfounded me. Like, why that's always a solution. Yeah, I, I have no idea why. I think yeah. that it, it probably speaks to the, the macho culture of you know, the United States and particularly like when it comes to nuclear weapons, it's like our, our end all be all success story of, uh, of warfare. So yeah. I think that, you know, they're like, well, if we don't try this, nothing's going to work, but you're right. They already know they have this shield. So it is a waste of a nuke and dangerous. And you got the smartest man on the planet here, David telling you it's not going to work. So maybe listen to him, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, kind of silly i think it, i actually think that the movie could have done without that completely yeah it's totally a, you could cut that scene out and it, it's still the same movie yeah i even forgot about that subplot but uh the next scene i have here and this to me this is the biggest biggest one they beat an advanced alien race that have found out how to do interstellar travel with a virus from a 1996 computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absurd. <laughs> Just, it, it's absurd. I mean, yeah. this whole movie is absurd, but that in particular is weird. I have it like listed in my notes here uh, as I was writing down, you know, my just jotting down my my overall thoughts uh, of of this movie and in the notes I have and I quote Jesus Christ they really think they're gonna beat the advanced aliens with a computer virus from a nineteen six nineteen ninety six computer what the actual f whatever this movie is <laughs> already so damn weird and ridiculous this might as well happen right like, <laughs> it's just, it, is, it is silly and especially when you think. When you look at it now, you know, 25 years later, and the, the kind of technology we have today versus then, you know that, like, in that time period, it was just becoming a thing for people to have personal computers and viruses were this terrifying, nebulous threat, you know? So they, yeah. they, they took what they knew from that, and they're like, well, yeah, you can bring down these huge systems with a virus. But you think about it, and they even say in here, we cannot crack their technology. We can't crack the aliens' technology. And it's hilarious to think, like you said, that the, this, this, our technology that's in its infancy at this point in history can take down these aliens. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's absurd and just kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really stupid. But again, like, because this movie's so damn entertaining, you buy it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That's, that's fine. Yeah. It gives us one of my favorite scenes, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It just it gives me more explosions. Just, just go ahead. Just do it. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> And the last one I have here, it's very little, very tiny. Um, Levinson, which is uh, Jeff Goldblum, David Levinson, just assumed that the alien ship would take uh, their ship in once they got into space. Yeah. I, it, it's, a, it's a big assumption. <laughs> I, I was wondering that too when we were watching the other day. I was like, 
thinking to myself, you know, first of all, they're going out there not having any information whatsoever about this mothership except for its location and size. Like they don't know anything about when they get in there, where they're supposed to go, how they're going to upload this virus. They have no idea. But I love that comment from him. He's like, I was counting on this. You're like, well, you would hope so, or else you guys would be flying in the blind and have no idea where to go. So maybe that was just the movie's way of saying, okay, we got to get them there somehow. So this is how we're going to do it. But you're right. It's just such a silly comment. Like you were counting on this? How? (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a nice plot convenience. Yeah. Very convenient. (laughs) It, It is, it is a nice plot convenience, but that is it for the, does this make sense portion? Uh, what what do you think is the biggest glaring issue? Oh God! For you. <laughs> like, well, uh, you know, considering there were twelve points that we talked through here, I think that um, I, I would just say I, the whole the whole thing is pretty silly. Um, I think just the idea that we would have been able to beat these aliens in any way, shape, or form is the most unrealistic thing. So I guess we would have to go with the virus. Um, yeah, because it's just it's silly, but you expect it when you watch this movie, so you can't be mad at it. You just look at it like, okay, well, we need a satisfying ending, and this does it, so let's do that. Um, so the movie gives us what we want it to. It's just the whole thing is unrealistic and hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think I think beating the aliens with technology is the most ridiculous thing about it. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. You pretty much hit. All, all the uh, nails on the head with that one. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, you know, we go to these movies to to see humanity triumph. You know, mm-hmm. we, we go to these movies to to see the, the the good side. This is not like a dystopian science fiction film. You know, we it's absurd. It's ridiculous. We want to see the good guys win, so we just buy it. However, it is incredibly implausible that we would be able to not only beat these aliens, but do it in the method in which they do it in the movie. Right. Pretty ridiculous. All right. So now we're moved on from the awards category. We have one final thing and that is why would you recommend this movie to, to someone? Um, So Heather, why would you at the end of the day recommend someone watch this movie? If you were pitching to someone to have a movie night and your choices were, you know, another movie and this movie, and you wanted to watch this one, why would you recommend this one? Um, you know, I think it's, it's a combination of what we talked about in terms of, I, I love all of the characters, the main actors in this movie all do a great job of being likable. Um, with the exception of the two that I mentioned, Dr. Oaken and the secretary of defense, which you're not supposed to like the secretary of defense. So apparently he does a good job. Um, but you know, I really love the interaction between David and his father and Steve and, um, Jasmine and President Whitmore, like all of them play off each other really well. So it makes it fun to watch and hear their commentary and hear their banter. Um, so that alone is a good reason to watch it just because you've got likable characters. But other than that, I think it's just an easy movie, which is kind of hysterical to say about a disaster movie because you would expect (laughs) that to be, you know, make you anxious or something, but it doesn't. I think because it's so unbelievable and so ridiculous, it removes that element of reality and um, you don't get, you don't get worked up. Like, whereas some other disaster movies, you're like, this might actually happen. 
there's no part of you throughout this entire movie that thinks that this is going to happen. So you can enjoy it. You don't have to feel anxious about it. So there's a lot of yeah. action. There's a lot of um, great dialogue, uh, fun characters, but it's easy to watch. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a pretty satisfying movie. You, you know, we beat the bad guys, humanity wins, uh, we come together as one world. Like all of those are feel good uh, leave behinds. So you're not going to walk away from this movie upset in any way. You're going to be happy. You're going to be uplifted. You're going to, you know, love Jeff Goldblum even more. <laughs> so, so it's all, it's all positives at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to agree with all those sentiments. It's, you know, this movie is a perfect movie to show if you want to say, you know, what, what, what were movies like big budget movies, like, you know, what superhero films are today. What were those back in the nineties? Mm-hmm. This is the perfect movie to show because it's, it's entertaining. It's fun. It's funny. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. It's easy to watch. It's got fun characters that you don't really have to dive really deep into. They're they're caricatures of people. They're not right. real, but they're entertaining, and it's it's actors that we love seeing play up on that and dial up themselves to an eleven. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of fun to watch this movie, and it's the perfect movie to watch if. Again, like if you've if you've had a long week and you just want to kick back and you don't want to watch something like Ozark or you don't want to watch Breaking Bad, you don't want to watch Joker, you don't want to watch uh, uh, something that's going to like depress you or make you right. think. Right. You just want to watch something that's that's fun to watch and, and engaging. Um, and this is the perfect movie, really, for that. It yep. really is. Yep. So that is all for this week's show, guys. Uh, Heather. Thank you so much for being on. It, it really means a lot to me that you would want to to be on here with me. Yeah, um, thank you. This was fun. Of course. Um, I can't wait to have you back on in October where we will, we will be diving on a much more unpleasant movie. Yeah, I'm not really looking uh, towards that. <laughs> I'm not either. I, I, the movie we're going to be going over in October is The Exorcist. Now, I have not seen that movie since I saw it initially. I wasn't supposed to. Uh, when I was six, <laughs> it traumatized me. Right. Uh, so I can't. I'm. I'm not. I'm not excited about it. But knowing that you're going to have to embrace it with me <laughs> makes yeah. me feel a lot better. <laughs> I can say I'm. I'm excited to talk to you about it. I'm not excited to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, that's where and, I am with it. I, I look forward to talking to you about it. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Um. We'll be back next week to talk about another disaster movie that I totally think is a July 4th movie, uh, Armageddon. It's it's a highly quotable, fun movie. It also happens to be uh, my wife's favorite movie, so she will be on here with me. Carly will be on here. Um, until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest content. And if you feel up to it, leave us a review. It helps us out a great deal. You can also follow me over on Instagram at... Ben Davis movie podcast where I will post a blurb here and there on new releases from time to time. Anyway, guys, till next time, stay classy.